Who the Wild Things Are with Ryan McGuire. You gotta listen to your body. Oh my God, maybe, you know, I could get out there. I could do this. Let's take a ride. Find your wild side. Real stories. See with your own eyes. It's so beautiful. I'm gonna have the best time out here. Yeah, I was in tears. I was like, that's the best, man. Welcome back to Who the Wild Things Are. My name is Ryan McGuire, and I'm here to bring you conversations with the most wild folks on the planet. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. And if you enjoy the episode, share it with a friend. Appreciate you guys. Let's get it going. What's going on, guys? Today's episode is brought to you by the fine folks at Blokes. Blokes is a men's health company that specializes in hormone health, weight loss, sexual health, longevity, all those sorts of things where you feel like something might be a little bit off, Blokes is here to help. They provide labs and blood work. They can help you test your testosterone levels or different biomarkers so that you can be at your best and show up as the ultimate version of yourself. They provide one-on-one health coaching and the ability to meet with a board-certified doctor in order to correct those things that might be going wrong in your body. If you wanna get some blood work done, get your labs done, go ahead and go to blokes.co or check the show notes for more info. Once again, that's blokes.co, also get blokes on Instagram. Thank you guys so much, let's do the show. Well, Jess, thank you so much for uh, for joining us and making your way all the way from uh, from Washington. Thanks, Ryan. Great to have you here. And uh, yeah, just I guess to kick things off, give people like a little bit of background about um, how you got into the skills community and and what what it is you're you're focusing on lately. Sure, I actually took an ethnobotany course probably ten years ago. And it was a, a year-long program with Karen Sherwood. Okay. Uh, she used to be Earthwalk Northwest in Washington State. And I've always been interested in plants. So that's something that's been um, a love of mine, was exploring wild plants. And uh, But how I started Wild Kind Academy is a little bit different because I was actually a marketing director mm. in uh, Olympia, Washington. And during the pandemic, I lost my job because mm. there was no shows to market. Uh, no live performing arts, and I found myself um, wanting to do something with that time when I was unemployed. Um, I was certainly aware that the pandemic was having an effect on people in terms of feeling vulnerable, and I have always really been interested in sovereignty, you know, living more sovereign, living uh, with a sense of Uh, Well, let's put it this way. I used to be a prepper, full Mm. on. Mm. Um, I actually went 10 years as what you would like, you know, building up food storage. My husband at the time uh, built underground bunkers for a living. And I was uh, living that life where I had just like all everything you could imagine. This was after 9-11. Okay. To be able to pretty much survive anything in terms of what I had stored, you know, from seeds for, you know, 10 years of gardening, you know, being able to have seeds and tools and um, just stuff to be able to really hunker down and and make it through any potential kind of cataclysmic threat in terms of maybe um, what society was doing. So, um, but I left that lifestyle. Um, at, you know, I had a divorce and I found myself kind of alone as a you know single woman mm. and I had to leave behind those, you know, kind of all of that stuff that was purchased to be able to handle a, um, whatever, a big, a big <laughs> turn of events. And, um, and I also found that I had a high level of anxiety. And at that time of my life, I was, I didn't like to travel because I didn't want to go away from the safety net of what I had created. Uh. I had two young kids and I just, you know, really didn't feel comfortable traveling at that time. And I, I had fear that just built up in my nervous system. Mm. And I really realized this wasn't a very healthy way of living. What well, mm. I wasn't living, I was hunkered down. Yeah. And I, I think the more I started to also gather gear, gather stuff, um, I really had this amazing accumulation of stuff, 
but how just tethered I was to it mm-hmm. felt so uncomfortable. What, you know, it just felt like its own weight, its mm-hmm. own kind of gravity to have this property and being just, yeah, tethered to it. I wasn't free. Mm. And um, and my nervous system was filled with, with fear and a sense of dread and doom. And that's not me yeah. <laughs> at all. It's interesting because I wouldn't get that from <laughs> totally. you at all now. You wouldn't. Um, and I've worked hard to reprogram my brain. How um, did you go through that mindset shift from prepper to more like naturalist? So uh, I did actually at the time of, of you know, t- 10 years ago, or whatever, I went through a 500 hour training uh, through yoga and meditation. Mm. I just was like, this is my next step to really um, unwind what was going on in my nervous system and up in my brain programming. And that really helped uh, to just really go inward mm. and simplify and have a practice that was physical and um, allowed me to be more expansive in um, in kind of energy, and after that, uh, I went about my life. You know, got jobs, did different things, uh, had my marketing career, and then the pandemic hit. Right, so it's, this is like the next big thing to happen to our world from nine eleven. I'd yeah. say, and that changed things. And so I'm watching people around me. You know, run off to Costco and get their you know food toilet and toilet paper, paper. Yeah. i actually ran out of toilet paper i was like actually one of those people that w- because i was like ah, i've been there done that i don't do this thing anymore yeah <laughs> i was like i had to call a neighbor and be like i'm actually out of toilet paper but for real uh, but for real <laughs> yeah like <laughs> good friends you know who your good friends are when they come showing up just like got you <laughs> but anyway i um I just didn't, you know, I, it was triggering for me to be in the pandemic and see what was happening around me. And people are like, wow, there's this uncertainty of the food supply chain. And there's this uncertainty with where this is going to go. And, um, I just was like, well, I'm not doing what I did before. Um, I actually want to feel light in this time. I want to feel, um, I want to feel my own sense of peace and freedom, uh, Mm. when everything else around me is feeling so, um, intense. And I, I went and took a wilderness survival training. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did that in Washington State, just went out and spent four days and, and did a training. And I was like, ah, oh, that felt good. Just felt good to get out there and have, have some basic skills. And then, um, then I started doing things like fishing for the first time. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I literally, you, you know, you'll, if you see my Instagram feed, I am fishing yeah. or doing something outside pretty much full time. Um, but four years ago had never even been done any of that. Um, so, uh, luckily at the time I had a great mentor, um, out of Idaho, Scott Turner, who really, you know, he's, he spent a lot of time teaching me how to fish, how to hunt. Um, you know, I had a experience of being in a, a blind hunting, bow hunting for antelope with him. And I just, it changed everything for me. Uh, Mm. the first time we brought home, uh, perch, out of the uh, out of the out of the lake, in the middle of the winter, ice fishing and made fish tacos. I was like, "Oh my God, you wow. you can harvest your own food, <laughs> and it's great." Um, and same thing with hunting. I think it just the the process of um, watching him take an antelope and helping that helping him process that animal, and we put it all in the freezer and having my first you know antelope. Uh, meat. I just was like, oh God, wild, wild game and wild fish and wild foods where it's at. So I really started something in me. Um, I went from, uh, you know, again, I wasn't employed at the time because of the pandemic taking my job and I had time. And so I wanted to take every single skills training class Mm. I could possibly take. And I didn't have the money to do that because I was unemployed. So I started Wild Kind Academy which was um, a way for me to bring some of the best instructors to me (laughs) and Mm. said, um, can you, you know, and at the beginning I was like, hey, if you could come teach a class, I know how to market it. Mm -hmm. Um, I can market, I can put it on, you know, I have a great website, I've got great, um, you know, I understand marketing a little bit and I can put it out there for you. You just come and teach and if I can take your class for free, that would be great. Wow. And that's kind of, you know, so I started bringing great instructors to me um, learn everything from, you know, uh, I actually partnered with a lot of the folks who'd been on the alone show, mm. um, Ray Livingston and Nathan Donnelly mm. and, uh, Joel Vanderloon and, um, where I was like, 
hey guys, like come teach a fire skills training, come do this, come do that and um, blade school or this or that. And I just started taking classes that whole first year. I just took classes from everybody that I could and brought mm. them to Washington. Um, then I was finding that this is, you know, I lit up as a person when I was doing these classes. Every time I learned a new skill, every time I made something from my relationship with nature, I just became lighter mm. and happier and lifted. And people can see it in me. They're like, God, you're just a very different person than yeah. you used to be. You just, you know, the joy is coming is like within and without. It's just something that really lit me up. So um, I just kept going deeper and deeper. I've been a deep dive now for three years. Um, last year, I really went for it. Um, I met Jason with the Survival University here in Colorado and came out, took his winter survival course from an instructor named Hutch, who's one of my favorite instructors of all time. And uh, winter survival was super cool. That like opened up a whole nother level of um you know creating shelter in the snow and um how to prepare for snow survival and then i came back and i did his 50-day advanced woodsman course last summer so i mm. spent 50 days made a uh, primitive shelter uh, was taught those skills how to do that i think when we arrived we were given a tarp and some paracord mm -hmm. and it was like here's acres and acres of land go find yourself a spot set up your shelter of course i didn't really have a great skill set in knots yet so my shelter was probably a bunch of bows <laughs> <laughs> but um you know but i was able to uh, set something up and over the course of 50 days we just took a, a lot of different classes i uh, had a lot of different instruction um, from great teachers and i lived completely outside for 50 days and um and that ended with me doing a seven day solo mm. with just a knife um we were able to win back some gear by uh accomplishing certain skills but at the end of that seven days it was unlike anything i'd ever felt before and i knew i had found my freedom i knew i had found my sovereignty um that no matter what's going on in the world um if i you know how did humans do it before they went to costco how did they do it how did they get us here and those are some of the things i'm starting to get to explore and feel um is my strength as a human and really i think aligning and stepping into the um kind of my generate the generational wisdom that's mm. coming through yeah. when you get a lot of time in nature and a lot of time to feel it's so interesting to me that you were able to make that shift from prepper to this completely different person totally was there any inclination or like uh reflex when the pandemic happened to be like buy up everything i need to stockpile i need to go back to this kind of hoarder mentality of having all this food i did the opposite wow i literally uh i was so triggered by it i did nothing mm. i didn't i i i was minimalist I was, that's why I ran out of toilet paper. <laughs> I think because I was, I was like, I'm not, I am not going there. Yeah. Um, and uh, what am I going to do to travel lightly in this time? And when I mean travel lightly, that is a, that's of mind, body, spirits talking. That's, that's like lightly of heart, lightly of mind, um, and then lightly of stuff. You know, it's like I'm I'm going to minimal minimalize all of this stuff as far as my needs, and um, and so then it was uh, uh, I found my joy in going for a afternoon forage, you know, and I'd I'd find abundance out there, and I'd make myself a nettle pesto, and I'd be like I'd really sit with the abundance of that, and then uh, you know, or um, that year during the pandemic, I was able to harvest my first year. Um, and I gave it all away for Christmas, all that, all that meat I gave away as Christmas presents, you wow. know? So I just, uh, that was a healing time for me. A lot of people had a really rough pandemic understood. I think I had a wonderful pandemic mm. experience. Yeah. It's interesting how it happens is I think about it being like one of the best periods of my life. Truly. Um, which you almost want to feel a little guilty. You're like, ah, shoot, should I be feeling this good about everybody? about this event that's causing everyone so much hurt but 
um, yeah, once you get over that, you realize how much opportunity there was during that time period. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I honestly, the platform of Wildkind Academy became um, a wonderful way for my community to come together in the outdoors and learn together and be together in a time of isolation and a time when people were feeling alone mm. and feeling isolated, feeling like um, everything around them was crumbling down. I kept Wild Academy, Wildkind going yeah. and had classes. And we met outside because it's an outdoor education company, so perfect. Did you um, have to like battle people saying that you guys shouldn't be meeting or maybe, things like that? I don't. You just didn't pay attention yeah, to them. <laughs> I, yeah, but what I found, um, in fact, there was a, a moment that really had impact on me as I, um, I offered a basket weaving class. And I have this wonderful uh, partnership with Karen Sherwood. I mentioned her before. She was my ethnobotany teacher, and she teaches basket weaving for, um, for uh, our community. And so I had her out, and I had probably 15 women at that time that came out. I'm starting to get some men who come to the basket weaving. But I had about 15 women out there. We were at a state park in one of their shelter, you know, covered shelters. And um, there was a woman who came to the class, and everyone was sitting respectfully spaced and such. But at the end of the class, you know, here we are. We're, we're in community. We're weaving. Um, so our focus and our hands are in, engaged in the practice of just ancient, ancient, again, DNA memory of when people gather and do handwork together. And I think something was lit up in everybody there yeah. who is like, like I needed this and by the end I had one woman that came up to me and she was a little teary and she said you know can I hug you and I was like oh baby (laughs) bring it in you know and we embraced and it was I think the first hug she'd had in a long time because especially in Washington state there was a lot of energy around the pandemic and around isolation and mask wearing and you know there was it was very intense in my state mm-hmm. um and uh and i don't think she'd had human contact in a long time and so we held each other we cried together and then one after one we i hugged everybody that wanted to hug and um to me that became a really powerful i guess moment of like okay actually Um, I'm going to keep this thing going and bringing in as many people who want to come together as I possibly can. And anybody who wants connection, they'll find it here. And now this becomes my purpose and like a new sense of understanding of what I'm doing and why. Um, That it wasn't, yeah, skills training is like the is like the foundation mm-hmm. and then within that is these layers of connectivity and feeling more alive and feeling um a, a sense of renewed purpose and a sense of renewed connection at a time when we needed it yeah and it's a very special thing when you have it being female-led mm. i really think there's a place for that because in survival skills like if anyone was to say survival skills like we all have this like flash image that comes in our head and most of those people would be like a military gruff guy like it's not the picture of jess Mm -hmm. and i just think there's such a space for that for for a lot of folks that need it most to learn from somebody that doesn't look like that hard military guy yeah absolutely i think it's um really exciting to welcome uh more women Mm -hmm. in in outdoor leadership for sure um and also welcome um just anyone who even says, well, I'm not very outdoorsy. Yeah. And um, I mean, if you maybe, uh, if I'm just walking down the street, I may not look very outdoorsy. I don't know. Um, I think people laugh because I'll wear the biggest ass hoops I might be able to find sometimes when I'm in the outdoors. And then other women are like, you were in hoops and I'm like sure am yeah I really like the bling <laughs> <laughs> like and it's like so I'm actually trying to also welcome anyone in who um you know that if if uh, there is some sort of look or image behind mm-hmm. what it means to be a nature lover and what it means to be in connection with with the wild uh, that doesn't necessarily have an image or a look I'm hoping to welcome more people in um, and I do find that I get a lot of women who come to my class and that are maybe you know like I'm here because if you can do it I can do it yeah and it's like perfect it's such a relatable image you know people Mm -hmm. are like okay wait I can relate with how she looks it doesn't feel as 
foreign you know mm-hmm. it doesn't feel as like far off in the distance it's like that looks like someone i would hang out with and she she seems to be having a great time let me let me get involved in that absolutely and i you know when i first got into this stuff um i think i was trying to maybe look and feel the part mm. especially because i was taking a leadership role um and and now that i teach as well um i and i teach wilderness survival um, I, I think I battled at one point with looking a certain way or having fitting a certain role. Um, and I even had a moment, in fact, the first year I was out hunting, I was all, you know, I'm in all the camo and I'm in, and, and I was just weighted down with all, with all my dude mentors who were like, you're going to need this and you're going to need that. And here's your, you know, and I, I, and I, I just what didn't actually feel like myself. It wasn't really my. Um, uh, I realized it was like I was wearing a costume uh, mm. to go do a thing, and it's interesting because I was basically just not really having success. I wasn't seeing uh, much animal activity, and I had a moment where I came back home. I took a bath. I was like getting centered and going what what feels so off about this right now and about me? And I, and I, the, what I kind of, what came to me was, um, I'm actually not embracing the feminine right now. Mm. I'm not, I'm trying to be a male hunter and because that's all I know. And, um, what if I were to bring in the femininity of me into this hunt? And, um, so I brought, you know, whether I needed it or whatnot, I just did some personal ritual. You know, I braided my hair and I, um, I splashed rose water everywhere instead of, you know, uh, they, they have these things that deter this or that. I mean, I, you know, I just did, I just did what I needed to do to say, this is who I am. Mm. And I'm going to go out there and embrace that women have certain things, the way our brains work, the way our, um, our senses work, they may be different than men. And let's use that let's have that be the platform that I'm going to go have this hunt with and, um, and feel intuition and feel, um, you know, just get into who I am at my core, even on an energy level. Um, it's not that I went out then and all of a sudden had this successful hunt. Um, it's just that I had, I was me, um, being, uh, embracing the feminine and, and all of the ways that I download that and um, it changed everything. So I do that with everything now in the outdoors. Uh, if I find myself out of balance, you know, trying to be, um, bring a masculine energy to this work, it seems to, um, it's just, it's just not as uh, effective mm. as when, um, you know, I think we all have a little yin and yang and masculine and feminine. I'm not saying that, you know, any other thing than um, when I am myself and I let the feminine come through think the more magic happens for me in the outdoors yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. tell me about um your experience getting into hunting because it's such a um it can be very intimidating there's a lot to learn and most of the people that you get as a hunting mentor are folks that have been doing this for 20 or 30 years and their dad's 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 dad did it and they have you know all their rituals and things that it feels like you should already know Mm -hmm. tell me about getting into hunting as an adult and what that learning process was like it's not easy um but i was committed to uh putting myself out there asking for help and seeking mentors and i do think you need mentorship Mm. um my friend johnny mack uh who has the soul seekers podcast he has um you know i i reached out to him because his whole program at the time in washington state was about mentorship um i asked for support um i do think if you want to get into hunting as an adult uh, there is a real proactive role you need to take, not only in your own, um, you know, first of all, you got to choose what is, what kind of hunter are you? Are you a bow hunter? Are you a rifle hunter? What is it that you would like to hunt that, you know, that feels like that this is going to be something you're going to want to commit to? And then you have your own discipline practice of saying, I decided to be a bow hunter. So for me, I found mentorship and I want to learn how to shoot a bow. Mm. So I reached out to uh, uh, Joel Turner with Shot IQ. Uh, I mean, one of the legends, just <laughs> that like was super legend. Totally. And it was, uh, for me, right place, right time kind of thing. He Is he ha- in Washington? Yeah. And he's like wow. lives an hour away from me. Oh my gosh. And I didn't know who he was. I had actually reached out to through somebody on Instagram um, who, you know, had a bow shop. And I was like, 
I just bought my first bow. I want to learn how to shoot, and I want to understand kind of the the practice behind the the point of hitting the trigger. Yeah. Who, where would I, who would I reach out to? And he was like, "You're in Washington State. <laughs> Joel Turner is your guy." And, he, and I, you know, I happened to just meet my, for, right off the bat with someone who is you know top of the game as far as training programs. are you shooting compound or traditional both, both. so okay. i started um with a compound bow okay and um like everything that seems to happen when you get into uh <laughs> this journey once i got introduced to a traditional bow i was like oh this feels so good yeah. there's something about taking those wheels off <laughs> yeah and just being you know having natural wood in your hand being able to feel this more sensitive again intuitive piece about working with you know the whole body the whole mind the whole spirit behind the shot so Mm -hmm. um it just felt you know i i have yet to i i have not hunted with my primitive bow but Mm. um uh, i'm not ready for that yet but i'm shooting it and i love it yeah i think i shot for two years trad before i went on my first hunting trip oh yeah like it, yeah. i just i and i knew and i'm sure anybody who gets into trad later in life understands you suck when you start out of course you're just there's yeah. no one's gonna be able to be accurate from like a hunting range when you first start out it is a practice that requires discipline and consistency and yeah. i think what's cool about what joel does is he focuses a lot on the mental component oh yes he does yeah. a lot of like mindset stuff which I would really love to get someone like him in my corner and just like ask him like what is the mindset when you're at full draw and you're hunting the yeah. the thing you've been chasing for years and that moment that means so much. Yeah. What- he was with me when I fought, shot my first deer. He he was wow. a strong mentor for me. That's amazing. And um so I was right he was in the blind with me and I have this moment you know where I took the shot and I'm you know, all of a sudden the shaking started and I looked at him and he looked at me and we both were like, you know, she's like, you did it, you know, you did it. This excitement, you know, and it was like, you nailed the shot, like you did it, you know, and it just, I mean, tears, I mean, the whole thing, it was such an amazing moment to have that level of, you know, someone next to me to be Mm -hmm. able to take that process through all the way. But I've taken a lot of classes. I took Joel Vanderloon's um, intro to hunting course in Texas. Oh, yeah. Um, I I loved, you know, he really brings in a lot of the spiritual kind of the grounding, that sense of um, that the hunt is is something that, again, is ancient to us and that there's a lot more to kind of explore with our relationship to hunting and animals and our this whole thing. I mean, he brought in next level stuff for me mm-hmm. that, ha- that then becomes a, a lifelong practice of understanding the nature of who we are, why we're here, what, you know, these things that really yeah. spoke to me. So um, it's a mix between, uh, you know, taking you're an adult, you want to learn how to hunt. First of all, choose what it is. Are you a bow hunter? Are you a rifle hunter? Start shooting. Yeah. You know, start shooting a lot. You know, take classes, take trainings. Then find, your, you know, start reaching out to this hunting community, people who are out there. And there are programs that give you, um, that sometimes are nonprofit organizations that, that give you opportunities to come in. I know there's opportunities for women because we're women. There's opportunities for people of color um, because of, again, some of our just um, social uh, dynamics that some of these nonprofits are helping other folks get into hunting. Hmm. Um, and then there's uh, wonderful people out there, I think, right place, right time, and ask for help. Yeah. Say, put it out there. I've um, been getting that yeah. DM a lot, which is like, I just, I, I, I think it's just, I put up like stupid little videos of me shooting my bow, and they're just like very simple. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people respond to those saying, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but like they just see it. I think a lot of it is innate and they get that like spark from somewhere within them. They're like, oh wait, I think I'm supposed to do that. Absolutely. And then I'm like, okay, do you want to shoot compound or trad? And they're like, okay, go this way. And they're like, okay, you want to shoot trad. Do you want to hunt or do archery? And they're like, okay, I want to hunt. I'm like, okay, okay, what do you want to hunt? And we just like go yeah, down this question little, tree. Yeah, a little breakdown. And then we're like, sure. okay, now we have your thing. You want to shoot traditional. You want to hunt elk. You live in um, Nebraska you know, wherever you live and then figure out, you know, here's your plan. Here's how you're going to become a efficient, you know, hunter. Yeah. And, and here's the first steps and people that you can connect with. Absolutely. And I, and, you know, for me, I took it a step further. I 
again, because I there's so much to learn, and be, you know, most of these people have been doing it their whole lives and had yeah. their grandpas, you know, showing them the ropes. And I've had a lot to learn in a very short window of time. And so I actually last year started working out at an elk camp um, with Upfront Outfitters. So I'm I, I was like, hey, can I come in and I'll be like camp host, camp cook whatever just take me on but i'd like to you know be mentor i you know mentor me along the way mm. and so for me I, I i take those opportunities to go learn um by getting a job you know having a side side gig yeah. that i can go be camp cook but the that week before the clients come in i'm out with the guides scouting with them putting up trail cams with them asking a million questions, just being out there tracking, scouting. And then when the clients come, I'm making coffee and hotcakes in the morning. Cool. You know, but then when the clients come in at the end of the day after their guided, you know, Roosevelt hunt, they're all sitting around the table talking, talking about their experience, talking about what happened in the field, the shot that was missed, the shot, you know, this and that. And I'm just taking it all in, taking it all in. And uh, if they, any of them, when they do have a successful shot, then I'm out with my pack and I'm helping to process and I'm helping pack out. Yep. So I'm getting kind of this hands-on training and I do, I'm do. i currently doing that with fly fishing as well. I'm very mm. interested in fly fishing. Again, I did so much fishing and now, and then when I went fly fishing the first time, very similar from going from compound to trad shooting, I was like, oh. There's something really special happening here, and and so now I'm really excited about fly fishing. So I went and worked at a couple fly fishing camps this spring to help out, and you know, next thing you know, it's after dinner, and there's a guide there, and I'm out at the water, and he's like, "Oh, you you know what? You need to adjust your cast this way," and it's like, cool, you know, anything I can get to have um, someone who's mastered this skill to be mm. able to you know help me out and learn. And you're in a great state for fly fishing. Washington's mm-hmm. got some really great fishing up there. Oh yeah. The first time I went fly fishing was in Oregon, actually, on the Deschutes River, and I caught the most epic, beautiful brown trout. And it was one of those things that the uh, person who was with with me was like, like, I've been fishing this river for so long, and this beautiful brown trout you just caught is like a dream, you know, and I get these beginner first luck moments. (laughs) Then you're hooked. You're like, this is so easy. What's the deal? You guys can't do this? This is so easy. Yeah, fly fishing is one of those things that I uh, I really enjoy it because for me, similar to hunting, you can make it very adventurous, mm-hmm. like pack in your fly rod. And we went up to a lake yesterday that was like, you know, 10 mile hike. And, you know, you get up to this alpine lake. There's no one there. There was just mountain goats and marmots. Yeah. And you're just like out in the wild. And it's like such a unique experience because I grew up fishing every day of my life in Ohio and it was like, you know, you just kind of at a lake or a pond and you're just trying to catch bass, which was fine. But the the adventure fly fishing is what's really interesting to me. Oh, yeah, I bet. And I have really yet to do that. I mean, I just got back from a nine nine day wilderness immersion that I led actually out at the Survival University campus. But um, next level will be bringing some, you know, fishing gear and adding that into the process. So tell me about that uh, nine day course you guys just did. What was the uh, what was the title of the course? It was a nine day Colorado wilderness immersion. Very cool. So yeah. you're kind of covering all the basic survival skills then? Yeah. So what we did is we broke it down and the first three days was your basic wilderness survival class up at the main campus here okay. in Cripple Creek, Colorado. So you're weird about 9,400 feet and we're bringing people up and it's three days of learning the basics of, you know, fire, different fire lays, processing, um, tinder that you can harvest in the wild, being able to put fire, shelter, water together. Mm. And then after that, we did a three day remote backpacking hike so we're kind of teaching the, the um, those who came on board to you know what to pack, how to pack, what what's needed to be off trail and backcountry camping. Um, so that was part of the course as well is just making sure everyone had the right you know setup and that they were prepared to do that. They had already taken the three day wilderness survival, so we really get into you know the kind of the concepts as well of as far as the awareness needed to be uh, present out there and make sure your needs are met and that you're acting um you know in a in a way that uh covers your ass really you know that um and then we do this beautiful back 
backpacking experience where we're uh, traveling. We get down from 9,400 feet down to about uh, 7,000 feet. And so, you know, there's it's quite a descent, but we're, you know, crossing rivers and, you know, hunting for craw, picking up crawdads and cooking them over the fire and harvesting cattail rhizomes and um, any wild plants along the way for trailside snacks and setting up uh, camp at night and just kind of guiding that process. Um, and then we end up at this beautiful river camp where we can add in some skills too, like basket making with uh, made out of willow and um, hand fishing. Um, not that we, uh, you know, it's it's the process of teaching them how to do that. So, right. um, and so it, I think it's a really cool program. Next year we'll do it again as well, but I think I'm going to bring it down more to six days. I don't mm. think I think nine days was a bit intense for some people who were really just getting started with Interesting. this. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna we're gonna adjust a little bit. Have it be a six day course with a two-day process at camp to kind of get everybody ready teach those basics but as we're backpacking and traveling for those three days we'll be inter you know bringing in some of the skills doing them living them yeah um and then when we get to the end of the hike finish with a big finish line and then head out to cripple creek for elk burgers and french fries and beers and milkshakes um what was the like well i guess let me back up is there a requirement in terms of like physical fitness or ability that you require people to prove before joining the course? Nothing about proving it, um, proving a, a certain physicality. However, um, I I called everybody who, um, and I, I called everyone who signed up to just check in with them sure. to make sure, like, here's the deal: you're get, you got to carry a backpack that's going to have you know, potentially 40 pounds, maybe it's got your three days worth of food in there, your sleeping system, your water filtration system, um, river shoes, you know, so you got to be able to carry that. And we don't hike a huge hike. It's not like we're, you know, we're maybe doing five miles at most in a day. So, um, and we're not going up massive mountains, <laughs> like uh, inclines or anything. So I think it's doable for, for people, but I certainly would just want to check in to make sure physically that that's something that um, feels appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, but it's that's just one offering. I mean, they can also come and just do the, the skills weekend training gotcha. and not do the hike portion. Um, so I am going to, we're going to market it as two separate things or one together where you can gotcha. either do the skills training, you can add on the hike, um, but there's plenty of classes going on that doesn't require a hike that you can get all this stuff no yeah. matter where you're at physically. Yeah, I think that's a big concern for a lot of folks is that physicality standpoint. Yeah. And for some folks, it might be like for me in the beginning, my first couple courses, that was part of the draw. Mm. I wanted to go to big mileage courses that right. went really deep in the backcountry and I wanted to challenge my body. And I know that's where some people are, but some people are probably like, I'm not interested in that. I want the skills. I want the connection and I want to enjoy the experience and not feel like I'm suffering the entire Absolutely. time. Absolutely. And I'm, um, I'm just a really sensitive human. So I like, I can, I'd really check in with the group. Every group's different and mm. some groups you can kind of feel that this is about connect this is about connection and and giving them this experience of outdoor immersion some people you can tell they're like i'm i'm maxed out i'm like really feeling tired at the end of three days that was mm. enough for me and so then there's this ease to be like you know i had mentioned to you before we started talking here it's like i'd rather have people finish a course strong feeling yeah. like that was epic i feel great i feel energized i feel lifted then feel like i broke them down and that they're just depleted and that was too much, you yeah. know, so. which is different than a lot of survival schools. A lot of schools, yeah. it's like, you know, push people to their absolute limit and their reward is kind of, you know, finishing totally. and, and getting through that. Yeah. And I would I would be curious to know what the return rate is on your philosophy versus like beating people down. You know, I, I would yeah. I would assume that people are more likely to come back to something that's that seemed uplifting. Well, similar to how you mentioned when you got started, it's like you'd rather do those long mileage, like, go, you know, go hard and finish like, wow, I just did this epic thing for my, my body was challenged. There's people like that out there who mm. like to go to those types of programs where they see the extreme of what their body can handle and what they can do. And that's their reward. Um, but that would just wouldn't be my class. That yeah. just wouldn't be my course. Yeah. Yeah. I think you need both. Sure. I think you got to yeah. have I think you got to have a place for for everyone because I, I certainly know that 
um, my style of travel is not the same as, you know, somebody else's style of travel. Right. We all yeah. kind of have this different, this different idea of what a cool adventure looks like. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just, I love it when people leave and they're just like, uh, w- one of the things we did on this, um, this three day wilderness, the, the, the first end for part of the nine day, the first three days was just your skills training. And at the very end, the last class, we do a challenge. And this is, uh, again, the founder, Jason, this is his idea, but I love it, where you take everything we've learned. And on this last trip, we just did, um, there was this thunderstorm coming in. Uh, like they have, like they do here in Colorado. Right. <laughs> it's like every day, but every this, day. Um, this where it was just about three o'clock. Of course, the clouds are starting. Ominous dark clouds are coming in, and you hear the thunder rolling. And yeah, um, and then we're like, okay, uh, challenge. You're going to go and harvest tinder. You're going to make a fire, make a uh, an emergency shelter, and boil water. And you've got. 30 minutes to go do that wow. you know and then and it's like you see their eyes just like like right now like really and it's like you got this you, got you it. know and it was actually really cool to see that these things we just simply taught in three days you see them you know they're like they put their shamag on and they're out gathering their, their ladder fuel and their dried grass and the, you hear the thunder come in and getting closer so you feel them like you know <laughs> moving a little quicker and and building that pressure that sense of this is like a for real vibe you know like yeah. this is what it would feel like if you were on your own for the night and it's three o'clock in the afternoon you find yourself lost off trail or there's an injury or something you need to do to set up fire shelter boil water mm-hmm. it's like that watching that they all now know how to do it and then they all can do it and they do it really well and then i of course take photos and videos of them at the end and you just see these people with smiles to hear because now the rain's just starting to come down and they're inside their little expedient shelter and they're kicked back and you know and they're they've got their fire and their boiling water and they're so proud and so happy and like like whoa i can do this you know this is this is cool to take it from training Mm. to a challenge that's easily easily done and watch them light up just so excited at how they feel with that accomplishment it makes me so happy it it is incredible especially uh i feel like especially with fire Mm -hmm. you know like when people fire starts to really click for people it's such an exciting moment Mm -hmm. like you you can see what's happening you can see it working in front of you Uh and everyone's just like let's go yeah totally and everyone does different you know there was some some were making their fire dog lay some were making little log cabins and you know and it's just cool to see I think the cool thing about wilderness training is that a lot of people like the formula you know they want to know how how do you do this and you teach basic skills of how to do this but when it comes down to when they don't have an instructor right around them telling them what to do it comes down to creativity you know like truly you get to you get to create what it is you um, you're doing here and you can choose your own path it's a very much choose your own adventure kind of thing when you get basic skills then it's like, I love to see what people come up with. You mm. know, sometimes they surprise me where I'm like, hey, that was a good idea. Yeah. You know, I, so many times I'm I'm like in a course and I'm learning. I'm like, oh, I never even thought Didn't to do it that. that way. Yeah, the absolutely. The way he laid that stick or the way he used his knife to do something. I'm like, I would have never, yeah. never crossed my mind. Yeah. The creative component, is, you know, this is not like... Uh, wilderness immersion, wilderness skills, wilderness survival is not like baking using a recipe. Right. You know, it is like, you you know, you're you get to you get to be creative with you your process. You get to, and you must. Yeah. You must be creative. True. Because like, if it's like the number one tool, if you're not able to creatively solve problems with very few resources, mm-hmm. it's not going to work out. Absolutely. You're not going to want to stay out there. You're going to be miserable. Yeah, and we include that in, a, um, you know, I always add that piece into the training is this idea of leadership mindset. Mm. Um, and I always give a, a, a pretty strong talk, talk about that. It's like if you've come out and you're taking this course, you're already – Uh, like far above most people who are going out for a day hike. Um, You already know more things right now than most people out mushroom foraging as far as the awareness of your environment and what's possible and then also how to mediate problems um, or, you know, how to make sure you're uh, 
mitigating. Is that the right word? Yeah. Make sure you are not, you know, that you've got the gear you need to stay a night if you got to stay a night mm. or you've got a, a bug out bag or you've got a 32, 72 hour kit. So you know you can either be sit in spot in one spot and be found or you can get out and get to, to help. So I think it's just, um, you know, to, to when you have those things down, then you have to understand now you're a leader out here. This is you are actually no more than most you'll be the one who's going to make decisions when your friends are like, come on, we're going to go day hike today. And, and you bring a little extra, you know, your bag's a little bit bigger than everybody else's. It's like, you're going to possibly need to be making decisions for that group. If a bad storm comes in or one person gets injured and you got to hunker down for through a bad storm or an injury, you'll know, you'll know what to do. Yeah. And you got to rise up to that leadership. Um, and I love working with youth with that. That's mm. like one of my favorite things is teaching young people that just because you're out with adults, you because you've taken this class, you know more than most of them. Yeah. And so you'll need to step into the role of leadership and feel good in your being to do that, to make decisions. And if someone's doing something that you that doesn't feel right or they're involved, they're, you know, outdoor adventure is awesome. But mm -hmm. sometimes you're out with people and they make do stupid shit yeah. or want to go do stupid shit. And you're like. You have to be the leader that says that doesn't feel right. You know, it doesn't sit right in my gut. So I, I add that piece into my classes as far as, you know, I bring in my yoga training for that, that it's like this mindfulness piece of feeling your senses. Do, do sensory training. You know, train your eyes, train your ears. Um, train what it feels like to smell certain things. Be in the outdoors just to feel and be mindful and to be present. Mm. You'll develop all of these things. And as these things become more acute, your gut, your intuit, your intuition will start to also awaken and have more to give because you'll start to trust yourself. Yeah. And that piece, I think, is really important for outdoor leaders and outdoor um, uh, anyone kind of who's leading or guiding in the outdoors to be able to speak to that because it's what's needed probably more than anything is for people to trust themselves mm. and to, sh to show up in that leadership role. Yeah, and it's something that you would never get in a traditional education, right? Yeah, like too the, bad. Yeah, traditional education, I feel like it's like X's and O's. Like, you you know, even if you go to uh, a lot of schools to learn, you might learn what plants you can eat and uh, what kind of shelters are possible, but you might not learn those soft skills. And those mm -hmm. are the ones that really end up making a difference. Absolutely, because you hear about things all the time where there's people survive, you know, you're like, you know, a woman hiker found <laughs> three weeks later, you know, and she has no training, but somehow she's kept herself alive, you know, mm. and that is an interesting thing to me. It's like she used some very obviously, you know, she, she was dialed in enough to herself and to what she needed to do to stay alive that she did. And there's so many countless stories like that. And then there's people who don't make it, you yeah. know, and you're like, what you know some maybe luck's out there but you know i'm sure there's something about common sense and listening to your intuition um and i think it's a worthy training when i think about those like stories that are pitched as unfortunate like woman hiker missing for three days like oh my gosh poor lady i'm like no she just got this incredibly empowering thing like she's coming home feeling like i just survived something that most people can't and she gets to carry that onto the rest of her life yeah she gets to have that absolutely what an amazing thing to take with you absolutely and you know there's one other piece that i feel drawn to mention because i am you know like you said there's hard skills so once you learn them you can do a lot more adventure you know sure. when you learn hard skills you can do a lot more cool stuff out there when you then bring on the soft skills and you add that piece in, now your experience is richer. You, you can go have these adventures. You can, you know, you know, you can get maybe out of some tough things because you have hard skills and you've got this other piece that you're working on that that lets you to have a, a deeper, more profound experience in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's this other piece, um, which is also um, the energetics of the outdoors. And that's something I'm really starting to kind of have more my mind's there a lot, my heart's there a lot, as far as um, what uh, what we feel out there. I have had some experiences where I realize nature is highly intelligent. Mm. I'm sure you've experienced this in all of your time in the outdoors. There is intelligence going on. These are not uh, inanimate objects 
this is like an entire energy system, energy yeah. grid, communication going on, so much to feel. And the more that, and for me, actually, it was a, a massively high dose of, of mushrooms that got me there that I was like, whoa, you know, and it was, you know, led by a beautiful human that helped me to see more. Um, I specifically went into that wanting to understand more about um, the natural world and came out of that going, gosh, there's what our eyes are not seeing this. Maybe our our ears aren't hearing this, but we can feel this. Mm. And so I really, uh, when I'm teaching, I'm starting to bring that into um, the group dynamic is, you know, I have people go out and do sit spots and to sit and to feel and to listen and, and to, and come back. It's like, what did, what did you, what did you feel? What did, you know, you tell me like, what was that like when you spent some quiet time out there? Mm. Um, because I think there's something that our ancestors had, which is a much better understanding. They weren't just day hikers who are like, you know, got their REI on every weekend. They were like, they ha obviously there was so much more dynamic going on. Mm. Um, there was so much more ceremony, so much more ritual around everything. And so it's like, why? What, what, what was up with that? And yeah. I want to understand that. Um, and the, this is probably where I'm at currently right now is some of more of the energetics of what's going on. I'm starting to bring that in even in the coursework when we're at way out. And, um, you know, I don't just drop my backpack anywhere and say I'm setting up shop for tonight. I check in, you know, like, how does this place feel? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I... I allow my presence to be known energetically. Mm -hmm. um, am I welcome here? Yeah. Um, my intention and my heart in, is pure for uh, training and understanding to bring people in nature. Um, is this a good spot for us to land tonight? I bring offerings. Yeah. I do a lot more than I used to do because I've been kicked out. I've had some solos where I was like, whoa, that was intense and felt not welcomed. And I yeah. didn't make that intention piece and I didn't, you know, I just kind of came in, you know, rough and tumble and just blah, 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 tarps up and everything's loud. And and th then it's become more refined, refined as far as the energetics of. And sometimes yeah. it's tough because that takes a lot of mental acuity. And a lot of times when you're out, you're drained, you're hungry, you're tired, you're wet. And you're like, I just want to. I just want to splay and, and lay out on the ground. I don't have the the mental fortitude to be intentional about where I'm sitting sure, and what I'm sense. walking on. Yeah. And sometimes it can be difficult to like remain mindful when your body and soul are being put to the test. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah I've been there. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. Um, and but it's not like it takes some, you know, massive ritual. You know what I no, mean? It's yeah. it's as simple as feeling, listening and having a moment of uh intention and a sense of um feeling the place and uh it, it it's not to me i realize this does not take this isn't something i have to now go do a b c d e now i've officially right you know done my correct ritual to land in a place like you know it is we we have what we have in the moment that we have it and maybe that's very little energy and i think intention is everything so it's yeah. like very simple to just yeah ha give what you have Mine is often a thing of like, who lives here? I just mm, like, whenever I'm yeah. going somewhere, I just go like, who lives here? And weirdly, like three times in the last uh, year or so, I've had a situation where I found a really good camp. And this is not all in the same place. Once in Utah, once here at a river, and once in a cave. Three different times, I did my kind of like, who lives here? I'd like survey this spot. And three times, right where perfect bed, three times, tons of mountain lions got tons of like overwhelming amounts of like you can't even try to ignore it and i was yeah. like all right i guess i don't live here the mountain lion lives here and absolutely. i'm gonna go find somewhere else absolutely and that's a, an awareness piece as you know that's that's such a great part of the awareness piece yeah um we like so. the same beds yeah sure <laughs> that's what, yeah mean. and the same thing with certain you know putting up your shelter and on trails or you know yeah. it's like if, if we're walking it so are the animals sure you know? so yeah yeah it's just one of those things like that you don't those kinds of things like you, you have a really good way of articulating those things because I don't even bring those up often unless I'm in the bush. I can't really explain those, but you did a really good job of words. Yeah, you did a really good you. job of articulating like what that means to find a spot at the end of the night and understand that 
there is a lot living and breathing all around you. Mm-hmm. It's a very different different kind of feeling. It's not like you're renting a hotel room. You know? Correct. You're yeah. Like, you're living with yeah. a bunch of other things for the night. Yeah. You're coming into someone else's home. Sure. And so I think that's, uh, you know, on many levels, you know, this is where the animals are living. This, There is probably major history and uh, to where you might be putting up shelter for the night as far as you know, again, like this ancestral history of that particular site or what's going on there. Here in Colorado, there's a lot of mines and there's a lot of mm-hmm. interesting feel. You know, I, I have felt things out there that I'm like, I don't think I'm going to set up camp here. Like this is there's just a not lot of the dark spot. history. Yes, there is a lot of dark history here. Yes, yeah. and and one of the first nights I had in Colorado. Um, I actually, the night I got handed my tarp and some rope and or some paracord and was like, go set up shelter. I went to this really cool spot, you know, and I, and everything looked really good just visually. It's like, oh, here's a really nice spot to land for the night. It was right on top. There was a mine. Like, I was like right on a mine, basically. Mm. And it was one of the worst sleeps of my life. It was yeah. like void. Uh, like, th- there was so much I felt that night that was weird that that next day I woke up and I was like, and exit scene where I'm out, you know, this is not where I'm going to be setting up. And I, I keep having to learn this over and over, you know, just when I think I've, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. And then I have, I get so humbled and I'm mm. like, oh, got it. <laughs> There's so much more to learn. <laughs> I have one interesting one. I don't know if I've ever shared this because um, I don't know. It's not something I usually talk about, but we were down in the Chihuahua desert and there was, uh, we were getting ready to teach a couple weeks of skills courses. Mm -hmm. And we had, you know, those couple days beforehand where you're setting up and it's just instructors. And this area, the Chihuahua is the only place in the world where peyote grows, uh, natively. Mm. It can be like grown in other places, but it's really hard. It takes some like 30 years to cultivate. So, the entire population of this plant lives like in this small area of the desert. Mm. And, you know, I was kind of looking around trying to make sure that I didn't, you know, it's a cactus also. I think it's a cactus. I don't think you want to lay on it. But that night, for whatever reason, I was sleeping with Willow, who you met, and there's a bunch of coyotes out. It was an awesome night. Um, and we went to bed. This massive gust of wind, it's the desert. There's no wind all night massive gust of wind comes over my tent basically like almost almost flips it mm-hmm. like a super strong gust of wind willow freaks out and i just like get this uh older woman like kind of that like goes over top of me and willow's like going crazy which mm-hmm. made it for me that much more real for sure i was like whoa she just saw that too mm-hmm. and then yeah the next day i was like i'm I'm going to move camp. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to camp somewhere else. Sometimes those lessons are so um, intense like that. Oh, my gosh. And they're so real. Uh, And um, I mean, my advice to people, and that's such a great example of that, is like, these are, this is real stuff. This is not your imagination. This is not, if you feel it, if you feel off, if you feel you know, if the elements start to talk to you, listen to those whispers of the wind because they are, um, they're communicating with you. Sure. Um, and it, and it's there because there's a relationship there, you know, it's not to nature's not trying to be an asshole. Nature's communicating. It's yeah. just, you know, yeah. You and can't th- put your finger on it. Like that's you don't, right. you and don't it's necessarily hard to know what it is. It's yeah. just, um, that's why I, I think it's just so important that it's, it's the hard skills. It's the soft skills. It's the leadership part. But there is something to bringing what are, you know, when we look back at humans of how they got us here and the things they were doing, we must look back and say, what, what, you know, why are, did they do certain things? What was mm. the, what was ceremony going on around the fire? What was, um, why do we have medicine men and why did they go to the other side into spirit realm? And what, what was that point C- yeah. coming back with what information? So there's just so much to look at and say, okay, here we are all of us all rewilding, you know, in the, in this modern day. But it's like that there is something here for us to, you know, I don't think this is about returning to the past. Sure. You know, I'm not saying we need to return and, and be 
<laughs> like that, but there's lessons to be learned. Um, and I don't, you know, I think just being a very open, being very open. And um, when you have experiences like that, I think which is some of the benefit of the solo work out there. Absolutely. Is like you are going to get the coolest lessons ever and they will apply to absolutely everything. Mm. Um, you can bring that back into up uh, into the front country for sure. I think about things that happen during my solos on a weekly basis mm -hmm. like different random things I, I either learned or pain I went through mm -hmm. and a lot of people I've heard say like okay the solo um, adventure is like it's a made-up thing by Western society because all of our ancestors moved in groups yeah. which I agree for living but all those folks also were doing solo rituals there mm -hmm. is something so challenging but also rewarding about solo stuff mm -hmm. and it's i almost can't put my finger on it and that's why i'm always um always seeking out the solo stuff because i know it's going to be hard but i'm also like i know there's going to be something i get from this absolutely and when i finished that seven day solo last year last summer um you was know, that in colorado yeah that wow. was that, that was here in colorado that's a long solo yeah seven days seven is days. for real it was so for real yeah um and uh i could there's so much there it's so rich um but what i know is that on my last day you know i i had everything all my needs were met it was mm. so it was so simple it was like i had routine set up i had um i had overcome some pretty gnarly uh fear stuff that came up because mm. we had on night two one of the biggest storms that had that came in that i mean even our instructor was like that was a bad one. I mean, mm. a really, it was a for real mo a survival situation. You know, we had hours and hours of rain. The lightning and thunder was right over us. And um, I had a moment where I, I was terrified. I even did a little video for my kids, you know, where I was like, boys, <laughs> your mom loves you. <laughs> you oh know, and I'm gosh. just like, I'll see you soon, but I'm scared. You know, I mean, it was really, really intense. Um, and after about three hours of that, of me just hovering and, you know, holding all this tension and a few tears and feeling like this is this is the scariest thing I've ever been in. Um, there was a point where I was like, it was the cool switch over. It was like, OK, I don't know how much longer this is going to go on, but my nervous system actually is like like what there's You're nothing depleted. else I can do Just, yeah. like I this is completely out of my control and so there is a switch that happened and I was like what if I just went to a, a different part of my brain where this is not you know I've already seen the worst of it here you know here three hours later I'm still here what am I actually afraid of mm. um, none of this is in my control so there's nothing more I can do so there is a switch happening in my brain that we're going to do right now which is I am going to celebrate that I am here witnessing nature at one it one of its most grand moments most people will never get to be in the eye of a storm at this level mm. by themselves and embrace what I'm witnessing. This is what we're living for, those alive moments that are not manufactured, you know? And this was like the most alive I'd ever felt because every sense on my body was just like, you know, heightened. And so it switched. And then I was like, I, the next big one that came through, I was like, woo, bravo. <laughs> you know, I started clapping. I started smiling. I started laughing. I must have been like a crazy hag witch out there. Like, I mean, if someone were to just walk up, I was, you know, cackling out there. It became this kind of um, celebration I was having that I was witnessing life at this extreme, you know, energy. And and it changed everything. And then I wrote out the storm brilliantly because it became like I stopped worrying that I wasn't going to sleep that night. And I stopped mm. worrying that, you know, it's like uh, this is actually going to just be exciting. And let's mm. just, and it was a different part. Like it's almost like the neurons in my brain were like, we're going to bounce from here in this path over to a totally new path that you are not aware of yet, which is celebrating um, this. And then I, you know, the next morning coming out of that storm, I was like, I am a different person than I was mm -hmm. yesterday because now I know how to take fear and turn it into being in awe of our natural world and that it, you know, 
it was a, it was overcoming fear. It was it was exceptional, and that I can apply that to so many different things. I mean, there's some things that happen that we need to be, have fear centers to make better choices or mm. get ourselves out of a situation, and then there's there's nothing I can do. I am here in a moment. I'm going to change how I view this and how I interact with this, um, and that I've been different since that moment. So wow. those solo mo- those solo journeys are epic for what's possible. Yeah, and it, it's a uh it's hard to articulate it in a lot of ways, but again, I think you do a really good job, but that, that way you decipher between, am I able to control this situation or is it out of my control? Because like you were saying, fear can be good if it's signaling to you, okay, I can control that. I need to walk my happy ass out of here. But if it's out of your control and you're just like, okay, I'm no longer going to worry about it. I don't I don't know that I have the mental fortitude to have that, but I I would definitely like to 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 give that a go. That sounds we sounds all like do. a special we experience. We all have the mental fortitude to do it. It's like just given the opportunity to be in it. I know you, I know you do really well. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it's one thing that I've been thinking about a lot cuz this uh two week trip that I start this week mm. is um high elevation for 14 days in a row Mm. and sleeping on top of the mountains during monsoon season. So a lot of people that are up there now have been getting buzzed. So it's like a lot of the rocks are charged and you're kind of sleeping up on like charged rocks. So lightning is like one of the top concerns. So I'll definitely be thinking about you when I, when I'm up there. Wow. Amazing that that is what you're drawn to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Well, I really wish you well on your journey there, and yeah. um, and um, I think, you know, I don't know. I think there's something to in, intention, the hard work of of all of it, and uh, helping you through that those tough tough things on those journeys. I think there's something there. What's next yeah. for uh, Wildkind Academy? Oh, for Wildkind Academy, um, I'm actually taking, um, I personally am heading to Maui for the next month. Sweet. I know. And I'm going to take a personal creative re- reprieve. I've been going hard for about a year, okay. um, just nonstop in the outdoors and doing all this stuff. I'm going, uh, It's but I feel like I'm kind of at a pace that is, uh, my creative side has been kind of, uh, you know, push down because I'm in go, go, go mode. So I'm going to Maui to um, swim in the ocean, talk to the ocean, heal in the ocean, do some yoga, have some um, inward quiet time. And I'm going to see what creative kind of um, flow starts happening because I'm going there to create what's next for Wildkind Academy. Mm-hmm. I'm I, but I want to do it, and I'm blessed with um, happen to have. I used to live there, so I have dear friends and family, and they were like, "Come, uh, stay at my house and house sit while I'm out of town for." And you know, I'm I have an opportunity to be there, Amazing. which yeah, which I'm very grateful for. But it's um, I'm going to go there to have a reprieve, and to, I think I'm learning that that's an important piece on the creative factor. Every time I try to make decisions as a business owner as Wildkind Academy and in a from a place of push push you know um, get the next class out do this thing I need to go here for money I need to go there to make money I uh, I'm learning these lessons in you know like double time right now that it seems like I'll get sick something goes wrong like it just feels like the flow's been a little bit off Mm -hmm. if I'm not creating from a more centered mindful place so I have some big dreams and ideas of that are starting to brew of really where I want to take this in the next year in the course offerings Um, but this piece comes first amazing yeah for folks that want to learn more where's the best place to find you the website is wildkindacademy.com uh, I would urge them to just become a, a subscriber to my newsletter because I'm always putting out what the next course offerings are for each month. And on Instagram, personally, I'm Wildkind Jess, and I share a lot of my outdoor adventures there. I do a lot with video so that I can share what's up and what I'm doing and uh, promote the joy of the outdoors. And then I also on Instagram is just Wildkind Academy, uh, where I show just what we're doing in courses and such. I'm on TikTok, Wildkind Jess, and um, Facebook, um, just my name, Jessica Caldwell. 
Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that wisdom and letting us know a little bit about what you've been up to. That was a lot of fun for me. Thanks, Ryan. I really, it it was so cool to come out here to Colorado and know that you're here. I've um, been following along some of your journey and um, appreciated some of the guests you've had on you. You're a great host and you ask very thoughtful questions and have really engaging, uh, cool uh, guests. So it's a real honor. Thank you. Thank you. All right. See you next time, guys. Stay wild.